You look good. All right, come on. We're ready. We're ready. Fantastic. I love this. All right. Patty cam too. Ah, welcome to uh, welcome to episode one fifteen of uh, Convos on the Pedicab. We're here with the uh, Travis County GOP Communications Director, Andy Hogue. Before we get started, we've got to give a big shout out to um, Texas Lake Girl. She's uh, one of our VO- She's the only VIP patron that I got right now. Um, so you get a shout out. Thanks for joining. Thanks for supporting me. So hopefully we get more people, more shout outs. You know, there's a lot of perks that come with this. So uh, anyway, Andy, Thanks, happy Andy. to have you. I appreciate you. that. Yeah, good to be here. A lot to talk about. Where do, where do we start? Well, we were talking for a minute about a lot of stuff that was happening while we were um, getting set up. Yeah, we done missed a good part of the show. I, I know, right? So you're you're the communications director for the yes. Travis County Republican mm-hmm. Party. How long have you been doing that for? Oh, I'll see, about 2013. Okay, a little close. Yeah. Eat like ice cream, got it. Yeah, yeah. 2013 thereabouts. Okay. Yeah, it was uh, right after I worked for a operation called Lone Star Report. We covered uh, legislative issues, and I covered mostly uh, transportation and health care and the occasional uh, primary race. And uh, we ran out of business, and fortunately, TCRP was right across the hallway, and I walked over and became the uh, primary administrator, um, one of them anyway. Is it a paid and position, or it's a... Uh... It's very part-time. Sometimes a volunteer. It depends on how much money we got in the bank. But gotcha. Okay. I do that in addition to other things, so I stay busy. Um, how do you feel um, about the direction that the Republican Party is heading? Hmm. Well, I think we're in a kind of a holding pattern, honestly. We had a lot of tumult, I think, uh, when you go back to about the Obama era. Um, Alex and I were talking earlier about just how, uh, man, it seems like every once in a while you just got to exhale. you got to breathe in some new <coughs> breath. And we got that with the, uh, the Ron Paul movement and some other new elements of the party. And so what we ended up with was um, – uh, a new focus on civil rights, on individual liberties, and that changed things a lot for us. So where I think we are right now, we're kind of just, uh, we're, we're stuck with a pretty good collection of people. A majority of uh, Texans still vote for Republicans statewide, obviously. So we're in a good spot. We have a majority of state legislative seats across the uh, country. I think it's over 55% right now. I need to check the, the most recent stats on that. But um, it seems like we're in a good, a good place, but um, not necessarily where we need to be to, you know, I guess give the, the death... Um, throw on the Democrats. Well, it's not enough for a supermajority, is it? <clears throat> no, not nearly enough. And I think uh, we need to make a better conservative reasons for the issues that Americans face or feel that they're facing. We have to really uh, show that conservatives have uh, a viable alternative. And right now, um, I think most voters consider themselves uh, moderates. To me, that's a synonym for I'm not really sure. I don't want to be one extreme or the other. I just want to do what makes sense. I think that, but yeah. I think that's how politics should be. Yeah, I think so. I think most voters are. Most voters are what we call swing voters. You can argue um, night and day whether or not swing voters actually exist, but I think um, statistically it proves most voters are independent. They're not married to one party or the other. They'll vote for Obama, they'll vote for Bush, and they'll turn around and vote for Trump. You just well, a lot, of, a, um, <clears throat> a lot of Obama voters did vote for Trump, and that's why Trump won. Indeed. Um, that, that did happen. And a lot yeah. of Bush voters voted for Obama. Right. So I think um, we have a country filled with um, swing voters. I think that if you're going to be successful politically, you have to communicate in a way that presents value. Yeah. Because politics are not a sport. I think there are a lot of people in the consulting class and people who spend too much time on Twitter or people who are <laughs> pundits, right, that think yes. politics are like an us versus them. It's the right versus the left. It's us versus the Democrats. Mm-hmm. And when you look at how Democrats have been governing with, with lockdowns, with um, supporting censorship, with trying to treat, treat people like they are second-class citizens because they don't want to take a shot that doesn't even really um, do what it's supposed to do to stop a virus. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it seems as though you're implementing these like Chinese social credit-type systems uh, based on how you're governing. Yeah, go on. Well, it seems like 
you have almost no choice but to vote for the Republicans. But in turn, if you're going to be a Republican operative or communications director or um, anybody with influential leadership in that party, you have to run on a platform where you convey the values of ensuring that people are going to have their freedoms protected at all costs. And the fact that you didn't get a full-blown red tsunami means that the Republican Party failed in doing that. Hmm. Well, I would say that's true. A lot of voters still aren't sure. I mean, are we absolutely sure what the coronavirus consists of? Was it made in the lab? Is it going to continue to develop and uh, take on different forms and perhaps more deadly forms than the first strain? Well, we, yeah. There's a lot we don't know, so a lot of voters vote accordingly. Um, we're not sure about Chinese credit at all. Nobody's an expert in that because it's a brand new frontier. So the average voter, do they know? Do they watch uh, the news 24-7? Do they have an IV tube of um, uh, uh, talking points? They usually don't. But Most you, voters okay. are busy working, raising all families. Right, but yes. You're seeing videos coming out of China right now <laughs> right. of these anti-lockdown protesters getting um, and, and you see you see the formations of a new Tiananmen Square where the military is going to like physically just start cracking down mm-hmm. on anti-lockdown protesters. You saw how Canadian truckers were treated. Mm-hmm. And then you find out this weekend that Joe Biden called up Justin Trudeau and pretty much ordered Justin Trudeau to stomp out the trucker <laughs> protests. Right. Okay. That is something that, like, an actual authoritarian fascist would do. It is fascism, let's be honest. It, well, it is fascism. Yeah. Okay, here's the problem, though. Such a, only a really small segment of the population even knows that that happened. Hmm. But the entire population knows about abortion. That's true. And how do you think that's going to affect the voting demographics? I think that affected us a lot this election, especially in urban areas. Um, we had a situation in which Roe versus Wade was overturned, most of it, and now we're in a situation where we have been taken from the um, defenders of life to the aggressors against women's liberty, and that's the perspective a lot of voters have. Again, not really knowing the ins and outs of um, you know Doe v. Bolton or Roe v. Wade, but knowing just uh, they don't want to be on the side of the aggressor; they want to be the good guy. So they look at what happened and they go, "Well, that's just way too much power." I might be pro-life, but uh, I agree women should have the choice. And they wouldn't have said that before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Um, it's just a matter of um, positioning, and positioning is really um, 90% of politics. If you can position yourself on the side of uh, liberty and the little guy, most people will vote for you, not really knowing uh, anything about the issue at hand. Do you think overturning Roe was a good idea? Yes, I do. I think we're the pro-life generation, and uh, it'll be the new abolition by the time I'm an old man. I that actually, might be right now. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you, and I'm gonna tell you why. Okay, go ahead. And I, I've gotten a lot of shit for. And for I understand. Why I understand you got a pro-choice streak to you, right? So, so, somewhat, okay, right? Yeah. Like I think that like um. You have to protect life. That's important. Sure. Yeah. Right. You should never like the. Um, and you yourself would not favor an abortion if it was your child, right? Absolutely not. No, okay, I yeah. wouldn't want to do that. I yeah. think a lot of people that um, get abortions feel really bad about it. I think that a lot of people who get these procedures don't know what an abortion looks like. Mm. Um, I think that it's a lot cheaper to have an abortion than it is to have a child and even and give birth. I think there are a lot of these other factors that should be addressed before you start banning things. Yeah. Um, and I also think that uh, I also think that there's a there's a there's a point in like a woman's pregnancy where throughout that pregnancy it goes from being a clump of cells to human life, and everybody has a different agreement about where that point is. Right. And there's got to be there's got to <laughs> exactly. be some kind of consensus, not universal, but like a majority based consensus on what that hmm. what that point is. Exactly. Whether it's like 
from a, a media conception or 40 days or 60 mm-hmm. days or three or, or the first trimester. I, I personally think that, you know, anything after the first trimester is probably something that you shouldn't do. Hmm. Uh, I think that like when it comes to this procedure, you should be taking the advice of a doctor as long as in, in conjunction with like three spiritual leaders from like a church or a synagogue. Hmm. And then you make the decision based on what a doc, like based on, a, I guess a majority opinion or a, um, a collection of opinions from a medical professional, as well as, you know, two spiritual leaders. I think that um, a doctor should have the choice to not want to perform an abortion if they don't want to universally Mm. you know if it goes against your code of ethics you shouldn't be for it you shouldn't have to do that i think that you should be paying people or financially incentivizing people to have children considering we're at a population crisis and they're doing that in hungary and they're giving people like full-blown massive tax breaks if you have more than four Mm. kids in hungary i think we should be doing stuff like that okay um i think that that's a better long-term approach towards preserving life i think like maybe in middle school you show like a middle school classroom what an abortion looks like Mm. so that this way you know, A, you make a better, you look at that and you say, man, I don't want to go through that. I got to be more selective. I can't just go sleep around with everybody and know that this is a viable alternative because I'm going to feel terrible. You should have people who've gone through these procedures and let their voices be amplified so people can talk about how they felt afterwards so that less people voluntarily do that. Hmm. Um, I think those are, that's a better approach. Uh, And I also think that, um, here's the other, the, the big reason, right? I think that a lot of the states that had the trigger bans that offered these trigger laws in which abortion got banned, Mm -hmm. they already had really strict abortion laws anyway. Hmm. Like Texas has a six-week law regardless, right? Most people don't even know they're pregnant until six weeks, at least, you know, until you miss like two periods. Hmm. So Texas already pretty much effectively banned abortion to begin with. A lot of these states already had such strict laws where it was already effectively banned. And that's the untold story. What will this actually accomplish? There's still a battle. Yes, yes. Well, what what happened... the battle to our state capitals. So then what happened is Massachusetts went full blue, right? Pennsylvania has like... uh, I don't know if they have a a blue governor won overwhelmingly. Um, They may even have a blue majority in legislative offices. Uh, I think Michigan or Wisconsin has like like a majority now in the state legislative office. Like... No, the, uh, Wisconsin would have had a red governor if it wasn't for this. Right. Um, hmm. I think Michigan now is like a blue supermajority as a result of this. I think you're correct. Yeah, and yeah. so what happens now that these states went blue when they otherwise would not have? What do you think that does for life? Yeah, I don't think it actually helps. Um, but again, it may help in certain states. It may help in Texas. It may not help in Delaware, for instance. But does it but, help in – but it didn't help in Texas because we already have a six-week ban regardless. Yeah, uh, I think it might actually. It might create a situation where the abortion industry, by and large, uh, goes belly up and has to uh, beg for money like um, you know, our schools have to have bake sales, right? Uh, it may be a situation where Planned Parenthood is no longer a viable uh, recruitment pitch for abortions. So I think in that case, uh, yeah, it could absolutely reduce the number of abortions that take place in Texas. Some say it may uh, cause people to leave the state lines and go to a different state to get an abortion. Uh, I won't argue that. But um, one way or the other, if it if it saves lives, which I believe a fetus, and we can argue about conception or quickening as the medieval understanding, whenever life begins, if it saves actual human lives that are pre-born, then to me it's a uh, net positive. Sure, but, but what you're asking about the electoral consequences and does it actually further the pro-life movement? I guess we really can't answer that yet. We we'll have to see the results. But are you saving but lives though? If like now Michigan is going to allow mm. late-term abortions because of how their demographic mm. shifted in a legislative session, like 
are you yeah. actually saving more lives is the question. That's that's the big question to ask, and I will have to keep a careful eye on the stats and see what works. And I, I almost wish the timing on the Roe v. Wade overturn was different. But um, that says one good thing about the Supreme Court is that they're not answering to the Republican Party. The GOP would have said, wait until after the election. But the Supreme Court acted independently. Or it was done on Roe. purpose because they don't um, want a super red majority. That could be, too, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 uh, there is a possibility. Really like, something like that could just get done on purpose because— you know, a super red majority means we're not sending all these tax dollars to Ukraine anymore. Yeah. A super red mm. majority means no more vaccine mandates. And like a lot of these people own stocks in Pfizer and Moderna and these big yeah. pharma companies. Um, a, a super red majority means yeah. no cent central bank, no central bank digital currencies. It means mm -hmm. 87,000 IRS agents are not going to be there making sure that you're being robbed at gunpoint to um, right. give your money to the Ukraine to these corrupt entities some big overseas. fish to fry in other words yes, yes. Yeah, yeah like this could very easily be something that was done to continue the the uniparty's ascent to power and then if you're a democrat mm -hmm. okay this is such a good fundraising tool yeah i think you might be right it certainly was for uh, texas democrats they had a field day with it um, but again it's all about positioning as we said earlier we really haven't had the time to position ourselves as uh, um, the fact is roe versus wade was a judicial mistake it was judicial activism it should have never gone to the supreme court that was a mistake from the very beginning and uh, i knew norma mccorvey uh, um uh, jane roe personally by the way she was from uh, the fort worth area and okay I had the pleasure of uh, um uh, knowing her personally and uh, keeping a had a, a myspace and facebook friendship with her in her later days wow and uh, and she admitted yeah this was a mistake in so many levels and so it's a matter well, what of what did she what, what, um, Hold on. What did she exactly say? Because I know that there were some um, questionable methods for how that even became a law. Yeah. Well, of course, uh, Roe v. Wade was an example of judicial overreach, and I think we can both agree on that. But um, uh, what specifically do you mean? Uh, um, well, I mean, I think that, like, they said that she had gotten, like, assaulted, but it turns out that she wasn't, like, assaulted or something like that. Like, there was yeah, some, there, there was, was some a lot of, there was a lot of, like, misinfo yeah. that. Um, was used to, for the for the Supreme Court justices, who were all men at the time, too, to make yeah. this decision. I believe there was a lot of misrepresentation in her case, a lot of things she repented for after uh, she became a Christian. And uh, it's all in her biography. And I'll have to, right, but what happened? Cause this, this is just interesting yeah, footage I'm, in general. I, I to put on the Instagram that. or Twitter, this just seems like this would be a good clip to put on. Yeah, so. it certainly would be. I have to, uh, defer you have to, to, you have to just I ask got to do my out. homework on that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's homework, fair. Yeah. But uh, I will say, yeah, there, there was a, a de definitive change in that woman. And uh, if Roe v. Wade was a mistake, then we need to position it as a mistake. Not that this is a assault on women's rights, but um, who's better at messaging, Republicans or Democrats? Democrats. Democrats, by and large. Yeah, it's just uh, they, they own the entertainment media. They own the news media. Um, they have more of a creative acclivity, which explains some of the uh, utopian politics they favor. <laughs> so it's all science think, fiction. Why do you think that is? So I think, uh, like I said, they have more of a, um, an, an abstract way of thinking, which uh, um, does not benefit them politically. They adopt uh, unrealistic um, policy goals for that reason. They, they adopt uh, political goals that don't match reality. And... When you think about it that way, um, that makes them better at casting a message, um, casting out a vision, but maybe not actually governing. Republicans tend to be better at the nuts and bolts of pragmatism, but we're not as good at casting the vision. We're just like, okay. So uh, how, do we, uh, how do we fix that? I think it's going to take a paradigm shift. I think we're going to need to uh, present a Republican Party that does cast a better vision, that does show, like you were saying, uh, there's a lot at stake here. We're talking about digital currency, um, a social credit score that China's rolling out. I mean, that's, that could the, be they had, They've already future. rolled that out. 
Yeah, they have. That, that's already been rolled out. If you protest against oh. the government, the QR code on your phone turns um, yellow. You're not allowed to be in an apartment, and oh. it potentially could even turn red. And they're building quarantine camps that hold hundreds of thousands of people all throughout China, and those camps are not about COVID. Well, you know more about it than I do then. (laughs) Well, it's sad. You know, again, information overload of things is a problem too. How do we cut through just the massive amounts of information out there and let Americans know what's truly important? Politics is all about priorities. And uh, you can uh, talk to certain demographics, even from the Republican Party, and certain issues rise to the top. Certain issues aren't as important. Well, these are human rights Um, issues. They should be important. They should be at the very top, yes. When when you see China mobilizing their entire military to crush anti-lockdown protesters, and by the way, people are being Mm. bold into their homes during fires okay <laughs> like um, to have a zero covid policy in china um when you see the um, someone like just freezing bank accounts of people that were um, yeah. truckers or people that supported the canadian truckers when you see how the police brutalized these protesters there was literal live stream footage of this hmm. why aren't you sending messages or communicating with members of the dsa or far left anti-police groups to condemn this yeah. Well, I think you got to be careful when you say they. Who is they? Are we talking about the RNC? Are we talking about the uh, Republican uh, uh, House Committee? Well, are we, you. Are we talking You're about the Prager communi- University? Well, okay. Uh, some entities Andy. are doing quite well at communicating. Okay. And another problem is sometimes sure. we're repressed. I've noticed a significant decrease in our Facebook traffic with Travis GOP ever since the uh, Trump derangement syndrome started. And fortunately, I was around for before Trump. And after Trump, and I saw a big difference in how our social media posts were reacted to. Our numbers went way down. Okay. And I'm not saying there was a conspiracy where somebody went ahead and said, oh, here's a Travis GOP. We're going to push the button and push him into security. Well, I think, but the algorithm shifted to where it no longer favored our points. Yeah, well, Mark so Zuckerberg got, has said that on Rogan, that that's actually happening. Yes, and uh, and I believe uh, Elon Musk is going to release a lot about uh, what happened with uh, Apple and uh, with Twitter. We're going to hear a lot more. There, there will be a reckoning soon, I believe. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we're dealing with a situation where there's some good stuff out there. Watch Prager University's videos. They explain our basic underlying uh, economic philosophy quite well, but is it getting out to the people uh, that need to hear it? Probably not. Maybe because of repression in the uh, overall marketplace of ideals. Um, I think we're making progress in that regard. Uh, Elon buying Twitter was a a master stroke, and I hope that will continue. Um, I hope he continues to um, free things up and let people back on Twitter. So here's the thing, though. Okay. um, Um, I showed you about the EU trying to ban Twitter from its existence. Yes. Um, you know there's going to be a pushback um, from uh, these centralized bureaucratic entities to stop an actual free and open exchange of ideas. Of course. Um, without a free and open exchange of ideas, that's how you create fascism. That's how you create communism. This is how you create authoritarianism on a digital scale. Authoritarianism on a digital scale is a lot scarier, and it's going to be a lot more effective than authoritarianism pre-internet. Ah, Okay. Um, Because there wasn't any uh, uh, global network by which to repress an entire uh, platform. Yeah. So, like, you could, um, let's say uh, you live in Germany and Adolf Hitler's, you know, governing you, okay? Sure. If you're not a a Jew and you live somewhere in the middle of the country, Hmm. it doesn't matter if Adolf Hitler is governing you. Right, right. You're kind of you're removed from it. There's nothing you're to you're you removed from it. You may have a telegraph line if you're lucky. You might. You're yeah. removed from it. Like this doesn't We're affect you. Talking 1938, Even in Russia yeah. with Vladimir Putin. Okay. Okay. The peasants in Russia don't hate Vladimir Putin. Right. You want to know why? Uh, probably because he represents strength and represents. Uh, no, because he leaves them alone. Oh. Because okay. they. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's because they don't have any technology. They don't have anything there. Like they're uh, they're poor. They they're poor. 
they are in these like economically depressed conditions, but food is cheap. They can grow their food. They can live their lives that are basically set back 150 years or 100 years into the past. And Vladimir Putin has no effect. What Vladimir Putin does has almost no effect on like what a peasant in Russia is day-to-day life is going to be. That's very true. You know, I grew up in a rural area myself. My graduating class was uh, 23, and I brag about being 11th in my class, by the way. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but, all right. That's pretty know, funny, I, yeah. I didn't really care too much about <laughs> academics back then, but yeah. uh, I will say that, yeah, that's an absolute major driver to a rural politics. I'm going to leave you alone. Who's going to leave me alone the best? That's yes. absolutely a major issue, and uh, that, that's a forgotten about. Uh, Grover Norquist once wrote a pretty good book, an American, uh, he's a, a tax advocate, and it was called A Leave Us alone and he goes into that concept fairly well that america was founded on a government not being weak per se i mean look at the difference between the constitution and the articles of confederation um some of the same patriots from 1776 favored a stronger constitution for that reason but they wanted government to again let us handle our own affairs and the government that governs least governs best. That's an American philosophy and one I think we've forgotten about because we've become so dependent on things. Well over 50% of Americans now are on some form of federal subsidy. Did you know that? I did not know that. Not counting state and local subsidies. Not counting Austin's uh, you know, uh, god-awful uh, UBI program coming well, up. Well, it's also uh, because we have a um, financial system that is based on devaluing currency that's not based on anything sound or tangible. There's the issue of fiat currency, correct? Um, but I also think it's a, it's a matter of a learned dependency. We, like I said about the Internet, there was nothing for a fascist to really take over on a wide um, basis until we had telecommunications. Now there's a way to oppress a mass number of people. When before you can only oppress people in a city or perhaps a governing region, um, now we can uh, literally affect the lives of almost everybody on planet Earth. That hasn't happened before in human history. It has not happened before in human history. Right. You know, that's one thing, uh, you know, especially in, you read about in the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel, you see a lot of prophecies about uh, every eye seeing, every eye hearing. Uh, scripture says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. How could that happen just uh, 100 years ago? Um, it couldn't have. Now it can. Well, it, and yeah. it does involuntarily. You can't buy or sell without your number. That's right. That, yeah. That too. Show me your, your QR code with your vaccine password to go into the store. Yeah. Put my Show own. me your central bank digital currency that... Um, that that's the only thing that we're going to accept in certain areas. And we do it to ourselves. I mean, I'm a favor I'm in favor of voter ID, okay? It's a big issue for me, but ID for everything. Everywhere we go, we got to see your license. Uh, pushing for real ID standards in our driver's license. Uh, ID this, ID that. I hate calling my driver's license an ID. It just pushes that idea that I'm no longer a person. I'm a collection of numerals. I, I am a uh, set of variables. And that's not the sovereignty our founding fathers had in mind. It's not um, I think that based on what we're talking about, though, there needs to be a viable parallel economy. Yes. And there's got to be a better way, like a better way of communication. So we were talking mm. earlier before we went okay. on a big, long tangent about um, <laughs> tangents are great. Alex. It was a great time. It was great. That's why I'm but here. What yeah. we were talking <laughs> about was um, authoritarian crackdowns of anti-lockdown protesters uh, on, yeah, yeah. in China and, and anti-mandate protesters in Canada and all that stuff. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, and a lot of the defund the police DSA activists were strangely quiet when that was happening. Hmm. Why are they so quiet? Why aren't people like you 
messaging some of the heads of these organizations or oh. some of the communicators <laughs> to say, hey, are you willing to condemn this? Why aren't you going on Twitter and aggressively asking them, hey, can you please condemn condemn this police violence that's occurring? If they don't condemn this, you could say, hey, look, these guys obviously don't care about police violence that's, that's occurring in this part of the world. You have um, Democratic operatives talking about how everything is a threat to democracy. Mm-hmm. Well, um, silencing um, free speech, forcing people to take a medication in order to participate in society, trying to push a central bank digital currency that is completely controlled by centralized entities is a much bigger threat to democracy than anything that these guys are spouting about. Hmm. Why aren't we calling them a threat to democracy? That's a very good point. Um, I think that we should. And a matter of fact, I try to. Uh, me personally, I'm a cash guy. I like to use cash wherever I can. And uh, I think you want me to get involved, more involved with Bitcoin. And I think I, I will. I think it's a good way to get uh, past the inevitable uh, centralization. Have you have you paid attention to the um, legislative recommendations that were put forth mm-hmm. um, regarding Bitcoin and blockchain? I have seen some, and it disturbs me. The government wants to get involved. It's like when no, these recommendations uh, for Texas look pretty good, actually. Okay, they're they're okay. Which which ones in specific are we speaking of? I'm gonna send them to you. But uh, okay. basically, there was this guy Tan Parker. Yes. Yeah. Ta- okay. Yeah. Con- yeah. And I don't know too much about him. I heard like some stuff about him being like a rhino in XYZ. But this stuff, uh, th- this work group about Bitcoin seems like they have some stuff right. And it's yeah. about like we want to create legislation to ensure self people have self custody of their finances. We yeah. want to ensure that um, people are free to transact without burdensome um, KYC regulations. Yeah. There is a lot of there's a lot of stuff that that it seems in this legislation in which they want to do. Um, they want to facilitate more um, companies, companies that value free speech and actual free market principles to come and thrive in Austin yeah. or thrive in Texas. Like that stuff seems like it's a good piece of legislation. I'm going to read more about it and write more notes, yeah. and I'll send you, I'll send it to you. Mm-hmm. I'll send you the legislation. I'll send you the notes I have on it when I finish it. Yeah, but see that. there is like some pretty good legislative priorities for um, adopting Bitcoin in in Texas. And yeah, one yeah. of the other mm-hmm. things is banning central bank digital currencies was something that was brought about in a Texas like brought about as a Texas legislative priority. Right. And I think that banning CBDCs and doing so preemptively while also making so that we have the framework to have a Bitcoin based economy in that in that event and you, and you do it in a way in which um you enable KYC free transactions. Hmm, okay. Um okay. that's how you promote free like this is how Texas becomes a leader in promoting freedom. Yeah. And uh, I'll say uh, Tan's pretty conservative. I'm from the Denton area, okay. so I, I knew, knew plenty of his uh, early campaign supporters. supporters. Uh, he may play the game a little differently than the uh, conservative movement as a whole, but he's certainly got some conservative chops, and I give him a lot of credit for that. Um, but will some of those bills move? Uh, well, um, you got to look at the history of the Texas legislature and how it's set up. And the way it's set up currently was back after Reconstruction, there was a, um, a knee-jerk reaction, uh, for, for better or worse, against the uh, overreach of the radical Republican Republican regime that came to Texas, okay. and uh, I say that carefully because I'm representing the Republican Party. The, you know, the, party the Republican the Party was here. different back then too. Uh, they uh, very like, different. Yeah. But you know, the Southern Democrats rebelled by creating a system in the Texas Capitol that made it very difficult to pass a law. So everything is a check and balance. The lieutenant governor has more power than a fresh governor in Texas. 
takes a while for the governor to build up the appointments and the clout to where he has equal power to the lieutenant governor. Um, there's a calendars committee in the House that can kill bills dead. Uh, lieutenant governor can just squash a bill to death. There's a lot of ways to uh, kill a bill, um, thousands of ways to kill a bill in the Texas legislature. Like there's a million ways to die in the West, right? But uh, I also think that uh, getting the favor of the speaker, lieutenant governor and the governor is key to something like that. You want to be on their radar. And going against that um, a, a set of priorities is, is fairly difficult. You have to have a very strong, um, almost a widespread support in the House and Senate to even uh, get close to that, even to go around the calendars committee, to go around the House or Senate leadership. A very difficult game to play, but it can be done, but it's very difficult. So um, earning the favor of the big three, I think, is very important on that. And is it a priority to the governor right now? I just don't think it is. Hmm. Well, it seems as though he wants to learn more about Bitcoin. I've seen him um, give speeches and, and talk about that mm. stuff. Yeah. He's receptive. He needs to be. Um, <clears throat> he needs to have the right people in his ears that are that have been around Bitcoin for like <laughs> the past eight years or so. Like people that are a lot more knowledgeable and experienced about this than I am. Like I know nothing yes. compared to these people. Like <laughs> you need people from like Unchained Capital or or um, companies like that or Riot Blockchain to like actually advise the governor on a very step by step basis. So he does what is actually good for freedom and privacy. Yeah. Instead of being like easily manipulated by like a VC or a Sam Bankman free type of person, you know, mm. who could kind of do something con someone like Abbott into just making money for himself and making the industry look bad. That's true. So. Well, the one good thing about governor Abbott is he is a good listener. I mean, he was attorney general for a long time. He, he knows how to listen to people, and uh, he's also no fool. You know, when he wants something done, he doesn't tell you how to do it step by step. He just says, get it done. You know, he's very objective in, in his approach, and I, I respect that about the governor. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the uh, speaker? Um, the speaker? I haven't known him too well, but being a former staffer, he understands a lot about uh, how to uh, um, build support for a bill or even deconstruct a bill. But he also uh, has... He's, he's a genius in a way, and I'm kind of glad to see somebody that has worked in the trenches that's now Speaker of the House. Is you like a, feeling? Um, I, I, are you saying that because you're the communications director <laughs> and, and you don't want to like, and this is going to go on the internet and you know, you, Oh, you're going to get me in the corner here. Alex. Yeah. Like, do you like, <laughs> there's a lot to like about Dade Phelan. Okay. A lot to like about him. And uh, things have changed a lot. We've seen a, a general improvement since the days of um, Pete Laney and even Pete Laney had his uh, good spots too, but we've, uh, we've gotten better under each speaker. There, there've been problems with uh, each one. Of course. Uh, I don't like the slow walking of legislation. I think that needs to change pronto. I also think no, that, he, he's <laughs> appointing um, Democrats to legislative committees. Well, that's been going on forever. Now, yeah, but considering me, what the Democratic <laughs> Party has become, like they are becoming the party of actual digital Nazis right now. Um, yeah, maybe, so platform maybe, does call loudly yeah. for uh, taking uh, Democrats out of committee chairmanship. Now, would they give us, say the Democrats take back over by some miracle. Well, they're going to take would back government if we don't actually do anything to, like if we don't yeah. actually preserve um, the values of freedom and liberty and do it aggressively, they will take this back and they're not going to extend you any courtesy no matter what you do. I think you're right. Um, now, I do think we need to be the, the better people and maybe no. consider a few uh, good Democrats. No. Like, uh, for instance, remember, uh, I mean, he's, he's no longer a senator anymore, but uh, we had um, 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 uh, from Laredo, uh, Eddie Lucio Jr. Okay. He was a great, uh, I would say he's a great Republican in terms of the way he voted, you know. He was to the right of many of uh, Republicans on the, um, I think it was a SMU's list of a uh, yeah left to right, but um, when you look at it, uh, he made a good uh, vice chairman, he made a good chairman of certain committees, a good appointment. But uh, there's um, a winnowing number of these uh, common sense Democrats. There are no good Democrats anymore. That party has been completely hijacked by um, globalist entities, by large mega corporations, the World Economic Forum, yeah. um, China, and every single 
um, collaborative entity that wants to concentrate wealth and power in a way that only they have this power and wealth. They're oh, sure. using identity politics and social justice to manufacture consent for an agenda that only benefits an extremely small number of people and offers them absolute control and absolute power. It is dangerous. That's right. They lick you, their you fingers to the wind's blowing and You go need with to it. recognize yeah, yeah. that mm -hmm. danger um, and address it before it's too late. If these people start becoming, um, if you have these people on chairs of committees, we don't get Bitcoin adoption. Well, you get the CBDC later. Nobody's banning the vaccine mandates. Nobody's right. holding the, the DAs like Jose Garza accountable. When literally, I, there was a petty cabaret I work with, he got shot at like a month ago by some kids for no reason. A bullet hole pierced his cab, hmm. right? You have, this stuff is happening because of, because of the policies that cities like Austin <laughs> right. are adopting. That's true, um, that's true. If you don't, if, if this doesn't get fixed right now, there is no, there is no more Texas. Texas does go blue. Now, that's something I think you get the big And then if Texas goes blue, we turn into the EU. We turn yeah. into China. We turn into that. This is, like, imperative that you don't have Democrat chairs um, on any on, on any bodies, at least for this session. So while we're and maybe on that, the next, where, where maybe are, where you can change we, it eventually. Where, but for right now, you got to do something. Otherwise, we don't have a country. We don't have sovereignty. True. Where are we on turning Austin into a uh, D.C.-like district? I don't know. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. Ups and downs of that, I'm sure. I mean, I, I kind of see a little bit of a difference. Like when you're parking around the Capitol, and you know that driving a pedicab, um, you can see where the parking gets a lot easier when you get away from the city of Austin streets and get near the Capitol streets. The You have the old coin-based meters. It's a lot easier to park, less uh, just draconian enforcement of things. It seems like a night and day. I'd rather yeah. take a DPS meter over a city of Austin meter any day. Um, you can just see that automatically. I think if there's ever uh, um, uh, gun violence at the Capitol, you want the, uh, the Cowboy hats on your side and not the Austin PD um, although I think they cooperate well together from everything I've seen but uh, UT police too don't forget about them either but um, I do think that uh, DPS would be an excellent law enforcement unit uh, I don't know how the politics would work out in a, a district of Austin or a Waterloo district whatever we call it the Texas administrative zone whatever it becomes um, I don't know a lot of, a lot of question marks there I guess it all depends on uh, how the proposal is rolled out and uh, what uh, what checks and balances there are Sure, but um, I think a new like a new speaker like a Tony Tinderholt seems like <laughs> I, li I I it seems like it might be a good a good welcome change considering what's happening. It feels like feelings yes. like a peacetime leader, and you need somebody who's going to lead things a little differently considering where our country is right now. Now that's the biggest argument I've heard so far: a wartime leader, you know, a Winston Churchill, not so much a. Uh, um, who was that guy before? Niles or uh, Neville Chamberlain? Neville Chamberlain. Neville, yeah, Neville Chamberlain. Yeah, I'm yeah. drawing a blank here. It's a little cold today. It's a little cold. Yeah, you know, we got to deal <laughs> with it. We're, we're in the elements, man. This is how. This is our life. Oh, I love Texas, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. One day it's hot, next day it's cold. Like you're, you don't like the weather, you change it. It changes in like an hour. That's don't right. Don't worry about it. Yeah. That's cool. So that that's my that, that's my my thing on it. I think that um, you need new leadership. And what I noticed, I went to that that meeting, and a lot of people in the meeting wanted new leadership. Um, yes. And then Matt shut it down. Uh, Rinaldi? No, Matt McCoyak oh, shut it down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I think uh, we wanted to have that uh, argument uh, after the election. We didn't want anything distracting from um, the messaging that our candidates. We had a lot of hardworking campaigns this cycle. We didn't do so well, but we had some really hardworking campaigns. Some of the hardest working, best organized campaigns I've seen in Travis County in a very long time. Why do you think they didn't do well? Um, you know, we're still kind of wrapping our heads around that. Uh, it could have been anything from voter turnout. It could have been a Roe v. Wade could have been a factor. It could have been that uh, conservative uh, independent voters, swing voters, just uh, saw the red wave written on the wall and didn't turn out. Well, you um, also have um, guys like Beto. 
you get the Beto factor is uh, worth the Beto, considering. The Beto um, effect, the, the, and this is the reason why people like Beto run, because hmm. Beto is never going to be governor. <clears throat> Beto knew that. The reason that they gave Beto money. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the reason that they gave someone like that money is so that the um, elections in big cities go heavily blue. He wasn't running to win. He was running to keep the Democratic Party warm. He was their sacrificial lamb. He was the lightning rod. Just kind of like how, uh, who was it before? It was, it was Beto one time before. It was, uh, uh, I believe they wanted Andrew White to be the gubernatorial nominee and for him to be the lightning rod um, before. But when he didn't win, it was Lupe uh, Valdez. They went after, um, who was it? Well, Beto. Beto became the lightning rod, right? And they well, did he was a, as, a Senate, as a Senate candidate. A Senate candidate. And then right. look at what happened to Austin. Every time Beto has run, Austin has gotten progressively more communist. Oh, that's right. Yes. Every time. Every time. So I think the, with that being said, uh, there's a different game at play. The TDP knows they don't have the Texas Democratic Party. They don't have the uh, center of Texas political beliefs. They know they're on the outside. Kind of like we at TCRP know. We don't have the hearts and minds of every Travis County voter. This is a left of center community. Okay. So the question is, what are we doing? Well, uh, we're not just keeping our seat warm, but we're winning where we can. The Democrats aren't exactly um, just giving up. I think they did back in 2004 when we had this uh, weird little B team. You can look that up. It's a strange moment in history for them. But they, they're running good candidates. But at the same time, um, with Beto O'Rourke, no, he wasn't running to win. He was running to raise money. He was running to funnel resources into urban areas and growing uh, what they call urban suburbs where the Democrats can win. And so it was a lightning rod to attract um, interest in to these races where they can win. That's what we got to do in TCRP. Find out where we can win and run coordinated campaigns that help like one Somebody like out. Michelle Evans was a victim of the Beto effect. Uh, I would say so, yeah. But on the other hand, what was, what was happening on the other side of Michelle Evans? At Caroline Harris, right? Now, either her or Patrick McGinnis would have made a great uh, House member. But, uh, but Caroline Harris Carolina. was also in a district that was a red district. Correct, but it was drawn red. Um, Busey's district was drawn more blue. Yeah. So, but again, you had that effect happening where the Republicans have had enough, and they were throwing out. Uh, well, James Tallarico hightailed it to Austin. That's what he did, you know. And there's a question, by the way, whether or not he actually moved to Austin. I can discuss that later. But there's um, also, did you see the video? Um, there was a John Busey video at a campaign event. Hmm. Um, he's basically openly admitting to wanting to censor the internet, like on a hidden camera. Oh, no, that's terrible. I'll show it to you. Okay. I'll show I'll show you that that whole video, but mm -hmm. that guy is like in charge of like blockchain and the and and um, in charge of like passing and promoting big tech legislation. You're gonna put that guy in a, like you're gonna if you put that guy still on a chair after you're openly admitting to that. Mm. We're not a serious state and we're not being governed by serious people. No, not at all. He's um and, and if Phelan's willing to do Democratic that, Party, if yeah. Phelan is willing to do that, then why should you be the speaker? And you know, look, mm. there's some stuff he did that was good, like constitutional carrier was good. We didn't, mm. we stopped doing vaccine mandates in, in Austin, right? Like, we, we still kept our freedoms for the most part as a result of everything that's happened. Good yeah. on you. But these mandates should have been banned. Well, you said earlier about They the, should have been banned. They the were uni, not you, banned. You mentioned the uniparty earlier on. I think uh, Democrats that are in this, uh, uh, quote-unquote, uniparty are more likely to be your Democratic chairman, okay? Those that uh, won't cause much of a ruckus. They want to uh, repeat uh, indivisible or Antifa talking points. You know, those people that will play along very well, okay? Uh, I don't think Phelan's going to appoint any radical Democrats. I don't think he's going to do that at all. Every Democrat John Busey, is a John Busey will not be a committee chairman in a day to Phelan. I can probably tell you that right now. He shouldn't be wrong. on any committees. Yeah, um, these people should not be on any committees mm -hmm. if this is how you've been governing, right? Mm -hmm. Like, would you put, would you put a, a former member of like ISIS or Al Qaeda on any kind of a committee? Absolutely if, not. No, mm -hmm. and I'm not comparing Democrats to ISIS or Al Qaeda, even though a little bit, right? Yeah. 
it's just a matter of when you're governing and you're doing things in a way that completely violates like almost every principle of like what this country right. is supposed to stand for. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got to take like a time out from being on a board in which you're making decisions for other people. It's not permanent, but you got to be in time out for yeah. a little bit. But let's get into real politic here for a second, Alex. And about 90% of what you encounter in the legislature is not Washington, D.C., R versus D, you know, China versus U.S. politics. It's a bull weevil eradication. You know, it's a, it's a stuff about dealing with a, uh, towing policies. It's pretty boring stuff. Oh, of course. Okay. The council meetings all boring stuff. Like 90%, yeah. you look at the item, you're like, this is stupid. I don't want to read this. Yes, you do with all the minutiae, right? So why not have the Democrats pulling the weight. I think everybody that's a member that's not in total trouble with the law ought to be, or doing with the DWI perhaps, everybody that's not in bad trouble ought to be on a committee, okay? But in terms of committee chairmanship, that's a whole different issue. But uh, I have no problem with the Democrats. So just let them, do all the bull- let, them all, let them do all the grunt work that nobody wants to do? Sure, there's a lot of minutiae to handle. Everybody gets to do the yeah, work. Yeah, but do you, trust, do you trust them to give you the right information based on what they've read? Um, to a certain extent, I do. To another extent, I don't. Um, I do think uh, when you get right down to it again, most issues are not um, you know, big polarizing issues. Um, is there a logic problem with most Democrats? Maybe that needs to be considered. It could, <laughs> it could uh, disqualify them from uh, committee membership. There's logic uh, problems with everybody. I think you're right. There's, there's logic problems with everybody. And that's the problem. It's the golden rule. You're, you're talking about mm-hmm. Austin going mm-hmm. super blue, okay? Okay. Why is Austin going super blue when you had a homeless crisis? Mm. Why? Again, priorities. Maybe. Why, why is that not a priority? Why okay. is it not a priority to the average Austin? Austin the average limousine liberal, why is it not a priority? Why is it not a priority? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it was a priority because they voted overwhelmingly to get re- to reinstate the camping ban. So it okay. actually okay. is a priority. Good point. Um, uh, which which election was that? That was a May election. It was, was a May election. Yeah. That's, that makes a difference, too. Go ahead. Sorry. It does. Yeah. yeah. The timing. Yeah. There's that. Mm-hmm. There is the fact that um, you have conservative candidate conservative candidates in austin <laughs> yeah. that aren't good candidates we've had some good ones we've no had this year ones. you didn't have any there were no good candidates yes there was there was clinton rary uh clinton rary was good you mean on the city council for, for city council yeah uh, richard smith was good maybe you think the, so maybe not the strongest performance but uh you know it's, it's i don't hard. think he was a good candidate i think he's a good guy okay i think it's just <laughs> being a good guy and a good person and being a good candidate well let's just say we had some good candidates some good guys running we have bill welch was another good guy good guy he okay a strong campaign i think it was a very spirited campaign uh, but very, um, did he because i don't know any, any i don't know a single friend of mine who knows who any of these people are hmm. okay fair enough so if people don't know who you are you didn't run a good campaign because you didn't communicate at scale as to what you didn't get anybody excited about you. The only person who got me excited that I actually liked was Clint Rary. Clint Rary, okay. And Clint Rary barely got how much funding did Clint Rary get? Uh, not much. I think a couple of thousand, wasn't it? He ran, he knocked on doors and got 10% of the vote in a like historically black area, uh, in a seat that's reserved for a black candidate, yeah, right, in, in a district reserved for that. Um, running a, can- a campaign. By himself, knocking on doors by himself, he got ten percent of the vote. And that is depressing when you think, wow. If, if uh, hypothetically, let's say Clint hit every house and talked to every voter, theoretically shook every hand, well, he introduced didn't. himself. Um, let's say he did this. Let's just say hypothetically he did. Okay, uh, would he be able to win? Real politics says probably not, and that's the depressing thought. But it's also the reality. Yeah, I don't believe that. Yeah, I, I think that he just had no resources. And he, he got ten percent. Um, with like two thousand, he got ten percent of the vote with like two thousand dollars of his own money, mm. and he knocked on doors by himself. If there was money and resources, um, ha- being helped to actually have a team of people to knock for Clint, yeah, and you had a diverse coalition of people, because a lot of black guys like Clint Rary, sure, yeah, you know, 
A lot, a lot of people liked him. Like he got along. He knew how to yeah. talk to and no, reach out to everybody. Him and his wife. He's got his urban farm going on. He's yeah. not trying to gentrify the community. Not he's, at all. He's, he's not. He's riding speaking the right a, language. Yeah, he's not driving a you know Land Cruiser and walking around in a poodle. He's he's <laughs> he's an actual member of the community. He's a member. Yeah, he's yeah. an actual member of the community. He he um, diffused mines in Afghanistan. Exactly. Right. Exactly. This is the guy that you want in a position of leadership. This is a neighbor you want. This too. is somebody him. that you should have been pouring a ton of but money into why helping. Why didn't Clint win? Maybe he'll do better in a future campaign. But Maybe, why? Why didn't he win? Because there was no. Because there was there was a limited prioritization of resources being used to help him. Because you guys thought that he had no chance, so he didn't even try. Well, now wait a second. Now the WCRP <laughs> doesn't necessarily get involved until later in the cycle. Remember, it's county and above is what the Republican Party is uh, focused on. Okay. If we jump into a city race, it's a rarity. Okay. Now we've been doing it more. More lately because the Democrats have been more involved. All right. But uh, we vote usually later in the cycle, and we did spend some uh, resources on helping them out. Matter of fact, um, our chairman, of course, you know, he's also involved with Save Austin now. But didn't you guys help Missile more than you helped Clint? Uh, who? Missile Ramos, the other guy. Missile Ramos. Um, no, I don't think so. No, I thought no. that like that was like there were flyers being sent out for Missile that were like uh, from TCRP. If so, or, or Republic or Save like some affiliate. Maybe I'm wrong or something, but yeah. I, that's well, what I thought. Save Austin has a separate organization. But, okay. Um, often that's having to be done because, uh, frankly, um, there's only so much we can do, and really. Um, you know, when you talk about nonpartisan races, it gets sticky. There's a lot of issues that aren't necessarily in the um, the spectrum of uh, the the Republican platform. Uh, there's a lot of things that are just a local um, things, local pragmatic things we need to address. And uh, so, getting involved can be a little tricky when you're dealing with uh, personalities that are well known and family connections. And so, um, we found when we get involved and jump into a say an ISD race or a city council race, we often find out that we're uh, choosing uh, between uh, one conservative and another, and that can get a little sticky. So we try not to jump into a situation where there's um, multiple Republican candidates. So that's one but prohibiting factor. There were um, no. There was. It was Clint was the only quote unquote Republican candidate in, in his that. in his district. He would be the absolute um, uh, unashamed only conservative in that race. Okay, yes. and he's not <laughs> no even, question yes, about that. Yes, yeah. Yes. So no, nothing right there. But. In terms of why we didn't support him more, I think, uh, frankly, it's another question of does Clint want that? Does he want to walk in as the Republican? Because if we're going to make some noise, well, guess what? we got a pretty loud megaphone in this community. You and could also Clinton support Ray, him. Oh, look, he's a Republican. You could also support him yeah. on a stealth standpoint. True, true. You could support him by, by – um, by connecting him with resources that can help Clint raise money, and it's independent, you can just say, "Hey, yes. I know this businessman that really likes what you're doing. I know this. Um, these. Sm I know a collection of small business owners who really like what mm -hmm. you're doing. Yes. I'm going to put you in contact with them, and they're going to help you raise money." And uh, you know the secret sauce there. There was a lot of that going on behind the scenes. We could have done more, but again, it was kind of late. We didn't well, really know Clint until later. Um, I think uh, we can do more, but yes, there was a lot of behind the scenes work and uh, help that we uh, offered his direction. Yeah. Um, not too many candidates really spoke out um, against the mandates, even like before that was going on. That was never really spoken about. I think a lot of people don't. Even although Austin is a liberal city, a lot of people who are liberal in Austin did not get that shot. Uh, nope, not at all. <laughs> right? Yep. So like the, the mandate stuff is what can flip a lot of voters. <laughs> um, being against these lockdowns could flip a lot of voters. Yes. Uh, that was barely you didn't have any candidates that really ran against those that, that really were vocal like i ran um for d2 for a little bit right and then i dropped out for like casey ramos in 2020 oh that's right yeah um and i was like casey I was, was awesome yeah casey was awesome yeah. casey was great and uh, he agreed with like enough of what i was saying that i'm just like you know what it'll just help well, let's <laughs> let's do let's be a team player right because that's, 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 that's more pedicab time for you yeah. Yeah. yeah um but i was the only one that was a Talking, I was the only anti-lockdown candidate that ran that entire race for anything. Right. 
Even Mackenzie Kelly was not anti-lockdown when she when she ran. She was pro-public safety and against the homeless yeah. being able to do whatever they wanted, but she did not speak out against the lockdowns at well, all. Well, having been campaign advisor for Mackenzie's campaign, I will say the, the statistics were very sketchy on that. We thought, and if you look at uh, Don Zimmerman's uh, Texas Senate campaign, he was all about open Texas again, keep Texas open was his slogan, right? But we found out very quickly that a lot of Austinites don't feel that way. That was scary when we looked at it. I'm like, you mean people in this community favor lockdowns? They favor shutting people down? They favor small businesses being eradicated? They favor thread gills being bulldozed? Yeah, apparently they do. And let me say this. I mean, look around. Look around. We're here. We're on East 4th Street, right? Yeah, it's also look well, at the, look well, at the Andy, progress. Andy, it's also how it's Austin being It's also here. how it's being communicated. You just got to – you can okay. communicate these issues from the left and okay. get left-wing-minded pe people to, like um, – be empathetic and sympathetic to you. Someone like Don Zimmerman mm -hmm. cannot communicate at all. Okay. He's just like, open everything up, you know? Well, Don, Forget this virus. Like, he just will, like, he, he yeah, will just yeah. shout and preach and do stuff, and he turns yeah. people off with how he speaks. Okay. Um, okay. You could say all this stuff and um, just not communicate that way. Like, Ron DeSantis... Um, so they communicates in a much different way. So than you're saying like there could have been a more nuanced position that that uh, Councilmember Kelly could have used in her first campaign. Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, she won, and oh, she's, she did, she's doing she's doing fine, right? Yeah. But That's like the, you got to find that sweet spot. Now, given District Six is a more conservative uh, yeah. area than say SD14 was, um, and she she's doing fine, and she's you know voted the right way by and large um, on the on the big issues. Yeah, she's been great. Yeah, she she's voted the right way by and large. So she's she's done fine. We're proud of her. I think that. Um, my constructive feedback mm -hmm. is while you're a sitting city council member and, and you're the one minority voice, you should be using your voice to kind of like um, build a broader movement of more people like you to have as allies on this council. And I don't I think she kind of failed at doing that. And now she's going to have a council full of communists and, and Mackenzie. Uh, she's got a tough road to hoe for sure. Um, I um, wish we could have given her some help this time, but it just didn't. Well, happen. you could have. I mean, my, my I was telling her, I'm like, listen, embrace like actually start like. Embrace some of these like principles of freedom. Um, I sent her a letter too, saying that you should post post an item to like offer financial relief to small businesses and like service industry workers who got um, affected by COVID. Mm -hmm. And you should you should propose like some kind of a law or a bill or an item to be discussed on the council to actually help these people. Mm. That would go a really long way. Yeah, uh, and it would help you get um, support from a whole group of people that are not just on the Republican side of the aisle. It'd be Republicans, Democrats. Everybody supports that. Everybody wants right. to help small businesses. Never did it. I, w I was telling Mackenzie, I'm like, Hey, you got to think about like some, you got to, um, you got to come on and be a, be a pro Bitcoin candidate or pro Bitcoin official who is willing to help this, this industry grow in a way that protects people's privacy and like supports, um, supports freedom in the digital age and supports, um, sound money and self-custody of your own finances you could have like you know your friends the mayor of miami you have that guy on speed dial you could have like hit that guy up and <laughs> gone on pomp's best business show at the time and you know you could have there's a lot of stuff that you could have done as a sitting city council member to really like she has increase a lot of friends, yeah. the, mm -hmm. the, the the popularity of your message and to build that message up to other people it yes. just was an opportunity that i don't think she used and she could have used it in a way that was not going to be divisive, that was not going to um, okay. make her into a Marjorie Green-like figure. Could have just been a way that she just got her voice more amplified and got more support in this next election. Yeah. It seems like she kind of just didn't utilize that opportunity. But everything's a learning experience. You see what's happening, and you just take notes and try to apply it for the that's next true. thing, right? But and one out of ten, that's, that's, that's a very tough uh, role for her to be in. Mm.
Well, so. it means that you get to enjoy the cocktail party for two more years. <laughs> I guess so, that's yeah. it. Just means you get to you get to enjoy the cocktail party. That's you're it. the one Republican. You get, you get a free the... office in the Death Star. It's great, man. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they got a crushed you got, ice you, machine and, up there, and, and the you got a forty percent, uh, and you got a forty percent pay yeah, raise. Yeah. I, I, I would say that's a pretty good um, consolation prize. Yeah. She's doing great. It's the easiest job in the world for her. She gets paid one hundred thirty. She's going to pay a six figure salary to to really kind of just be a lame duck. Well, I don't think she'll be a lame duck at all. But I uh, hope she not, could be. But I like she could be. She can be a PO. She can be a PO quite easily, but she's not. So we're glad about that. And we hope to recruit and, f- and going into 2024. And message heard loud and clear. We need a better um, messaging organ. We need to find a better way to reach the masses and reach the younger people. But uh, saying earlier, who's moving here, Alex? And I think a lot of folks don't really have the, the, the good intentions of Austin in mind. They're here for the gravy train. They're here for the economic boom that's here. Mm. And uh, they're moving from California. They're moving from New York. They're moving you, from every state. You think state people you moved imagine. here? Florida um, went super red yeah and people from blue states move to escape lockdowns texas went pretty red oh yeah our californians are by and large republicans that's just the mystery sauce here like yeah what are they doing but is there enough of them and one thing that never gets said we talk about how many people are moving to austin every day but do you ever hear about how many people are leaving austin every day quite a bit now there's probably more coming in than are leaving but who's leaving i wonder a lot of our good conservatives are leaving so the people coming in i don't think they're thinking about their neighbors i don't think they're thinking about um you know what the homeless people are going to do to them and if their uh, house gets torched by a homeless uh, antifa activist they're probably like well i deserve it i'm a white guy you know we heard Ah. that during blm by the way uh there was a business that was torched i believe it was in portland and it was a historic business owned by our family for generations and she says well i guess we we have it coming <laughs> you know and it's sad that kind of mentality that happens but the liberal mindset is way different than what you and i are talking about it's a very collective mentality like we deserve to deal with this or we need to see the homeless because because they need to be visible that's what they're saying these problems need to be brought to our attention so they don't vote oh, against they're brought uh, to their attention but then when people try to find out ways to solve the problems they don't want to solve it Right, because the thing collectively, so we'll, we'll handle no, it on a widespread it's, it's basis. Because, yeah. It's because there's money. It's because there's money in um, in homelessness, That's and right. the more the more of this you see, the more funding people get. The more you tax people, the more big governments and big organizations make money, and then they use these these rhetorical talking points to justify it. Oh yeah, like like a climate refugee funds. The Biden administration is about to um, spend uh, X millions of dollars moving uh, Indian tribes because of climate change. You know, it's just uh, it's more of that collectivist thinking that doesn't value individualism or personal liberty or that uh, leave us alone uh, mentality we mentioned that's so uh, foundational to who we are as Americans. So how do we fight that, or how do we uh, rope them back into you uh, need our philosophy? You need a, a messaging. Question. You need a messaging platform that appeals to younger people like me who are on the internet. Like, and and I think the people that you appeal to are going to be like Bitcoiners. Bitcoiners and entrepreneurs are the people that you want to appeal to. Bitcoiners, musicians, entrepreneurs, and creative content creators are the people that you want to start to build a message around supporting because those people are good with computers, those people are good at messaging, and those people will share your message to a large audience. Mm -hmm. I also think that we need to focus on legislation to... um, to make it e- to make it really really easy and super accommodating for um, social media companies that are censorship free, decentralized social media companies to come here, here. in and thrive in Texas. So for every Facebook that creates algorithms to moderate your speech, there should be a float, or there should be a rumble, That's or right. there should be something like that. Like why is why are we not offering massive tax breaks to a company like um, 
flow to expand their workforce to okay. create a thriving company here why are we not doing that for rumble why aren't we doing rumble that for um, for bit shoot yeah, or something yeah. like that like yes. why aren't we why aren't we creating legislation to invite smaller free speech centered social media companies to come to texas and thrive here that's another bigger issue it's one over incentivizing or penalizing i think the current regime prefers to penalize like right now uh, you talk to the average republican in the senate or the congress and they'll say well we need um to rein back social media we need to uh, regulate facebook's ability to uh, censor conservatives you and I'm can't like, well, no, do that because that 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 in, that enlarges the amount of time that uh, Facebook will be in power because you'll basically you'll baby them and then their competitors like a float like Speakeasy like some others uh, um, they're not going to get the uh, the traction they need they need Facebook to fail for they can succeed but when government doesn't let them fail just like we saw with the GM ballot we just we just get a worse product and so we d we need to get away from the penalization like you said incentivize small business to compete yeah and you could also just not offer a tax like like don't these tax breaks and like incentives have to be renewed on a consistent basis i think so yeah um, so you could I'm just not, refuse well, to renew you could also just say hey we're gonna renew we're happy to renew this thing but you have to um provide an equal opportunity for all ideas to flourish in your marketplace of ideas that's right well taking a local example the domain for instance uh, their tax break expired after 10 years right and now it's a voluntary thing they just said okay i guess it's working out i don't think so i think it's hurt the arboretum and arbor walk and some area shopping centers but uh the city of austin had the power to voluntarily extend that uh, tax abatement uh, yeah the power the government has the power of god when it comes to tax abatements right now yeah and maybe it should so extent, but, uh, yeah there's uh, a lot while of it exists there's a lot that can be done for the small business there can be a um kind of a uh, um, an equalization there where okay for every million dollars we give a large company over X amount of employees we can give X amount to small businesses maybe have a lottery um, to make up for that maybe every time we give a company like uh, um, uh, Intel or uh, Samsung a tax abatement for their school district taxes we can find some formula that would give a lottery for small businesses to take advantage of but there's a lot of things we can do to incentivize small businesses well, and we uh, should prioritize what we want what we want is freedom right amen and so you prioritize um, companies that are going to support those values that you see the potential for them to grow at a large scale and you want to do whatever you can to help those principles grow and flourish in Texas. If they don't grow or flourish here, eventually Texas goes blue and they will not offer you the same courtesy that you're offering them. Here, here. And that's uh, it. All right, divide. Andy. Oh, how do we get we a hold done? of you? Because we, oh. um, our producer's wrapping up. We'll do some bonus stuff though afterwards because there's yeah. more to talk about. Look at me at Andy Hogue on Twitter, and I do support Twitter 100% now. <laughs> Andy on Twitter, Facebook uh, at Andy Hogue. I'm easy to reach, or just uh, Google me. Find me at headquarters. Give me a call. All right, hey Andy, thank you so much Great for coming on. Yes. Andy Hogue, guys, appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you so much. Great time. All right. Oh, <laughs> is that the bonus material? Yeah. Right. <laughs>